Welcome to Things That Keep Us Up at Night, the podcast. I'm your host, Abby Desjardin, entrepreneur, recovering workaholic, sleep evangelist, wife, and mother of three very expressive, courageous, and assertive girls. I'm on a mission to empower women through better sleep. If you want actionable steps to solve the problems that keep you up at night, you're in the right place. From finances to hormones, parenting to politics, relationships, and business, we'll talk about all of it. Let's get started. No, 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 I can't sleep, I can't sleep, no, no. Before getting into today's episode, I want to recognize that not everyone has the ability to create their own schedule or work from home. If you don't have this flexibility, there are still small changes you can make to get better sleep. Next week, I'll be introducing a new resource to pinpoint what your first step to better sleep is, regardless of your work schedule. Hello, and welcome to episode number 14 of Things That Keep Us Up at Night. Last week, we talked all about chronotypes. And today, we are going to talk a little bit more about chronotypes, something that I call chronotype envy, and how chronotypes have played a large part in shaping our modern-day work schedule. So if you didn't listen to episode number 12, chronotypes are the classification of the general timing of your biological clock. For our purposes, it's the programming that exists in each person's biology that tells them when they should wake up and go to sleep. The four main chronotypes are bears. They make up about 50% of the population. They wake with the sun and get tired when it gets dark. Lions make up 15 to 20%, and they wake up early. They're what we would normally call the early birds, and they also go to bed early. Wolves are also known as night owls, and they sleep in and then stay up late into the night. Dolphins are what we would normally consider someone with insomnia. They struggle to get the recommended amount of sleep, and they're always tired. So our society is built for bears. The 9-to-5 schedule works perfectly with their natural sleep and wake rhythm. However, many people envy the lions. As I said a second ago, lions are the early birds. They're up before the sun and well into their workday before many people even roll out of bed. Because our society glorifies overworking, we often put lions on a pedestal because they appear to get so much done so early in the day. We judge the wolves. How many times have you heard someone say, it's about time you got out of bed? We imply that the wolves are lazy for sleeping in later, even though they likely didn't get into bed until one or two in the morning. To get their full seven to nine hours of sleep, they need to sleep until eight, nine, 10, sometimes 11 a.m. We shame the dolphins. We say things like, why are you so tired today? You should really get more sleep. The tragic part about this is that they would love to get more sleep. 
But we've built a society that glorifies constant doing. Constant doing tends to increase anxiety, especially in dolphins who are already prone to be somewhat anxious. Dolphins reach the end of the day exhausted, but by bedtime, their minds are working a million miles an hour, and you'll often hear them say things like, my brain just won't turn off when I get into bed. So why do I bring up these judgments about chronotypes? I think when we hear these descriptions, it's easy to identify with one type, but wish that you were another type. It's somewhat of a grass is always greener scenario. So let's talk about why this envy exists. While many feel their chronotype or sleeping patterns are the issue, this envy is often exacerbated by inflexible work schedules and the glorification of overworking in our society. Chronotype envy is a byproduct of your schedule not being in alignment with your body's need to rest. Why are we conditioned to sleep around our work schedule and not work around our sleep schedule? As a society, we've created little room for people to live the lives that are best for their health. We value overworking, sacrifice, and live by mantras like push through the pain and Hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. We glorify people like Bill Gates who says, I never took a day off in my 20s, not one. We need to stop glorifying the struggle. I don't mean that we should stop celebrating people's grit and resilience or that we need to stop celebrating the complex and creative work of people with a dream that they are working to realize. These are all important things in life. What I mean is that we need to stop bragging about only sleeping a few hours every night, as if that makes people more worthy of success. We need to stop glorifying the leaders who work 20 hours a day, seven days a week, and then expect the same from their employees. Stop glorifying people working so much that they become debilitatingly ill. Why do we feel like the measure of someone's worth or the quality of their work is evident based on the number of hours they work in a day or a week? Science tells us that the opposite is true. Studies have shown past a certain number of hours in a day or a week, you actually become less productive. The decrease in average productivity with increased hours can be explained in a couple of different ways. First, it may be that employees simply become much less efficient due to stress, fatigue, and other factors and their maximum efficiency during any given workday may become substantially less than what it was during normal work hours. Overworked employees may simply be less productive at all hours of the workday, even so that their average productivity decreases to the extent the additional hours they are working provide no benefit. The other is that overwork often leads to sleep deprivation. And we know that reduced sleep is known to negatively impact productivity at all hours of the day.
This idea is related to Parkinson's law, which state that states that work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Our outdated beliefs are from the industrial era where people needed to be working in factories in order for production to be happening. If people weren't at work, the product wasn't being produced and money wasn't being made. Nowadays, the jobs that people do are highly varied compared to 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. The more complex and creative jobs are, the less it makes sense to have a one-size-fits-all approach to the workday. So now what? We need to create a culture where work is not your life. Work is what you do so that you can have a life. It's great if you love your work. That should be celebrated. And I hope everyone is able to do something that they love for a living. But you do your best work when you're not working all the time. Let's create organizations that allow flexible scheduling, decreased meetings, increased autonomy, and increased focus time. Let's allow people to function on the schedule that matches up with their chronotype so they're not fighting against their biological programming. Imagine what kind of inspired work someone could produce if they were actually functioning in a way that worked with their body instead of constantly fighting against it. Teams who have moved in this direction have maintained and in some cases increased their quantity and quality of work with people reporting improved mental state and that they had more time for rest, family, friends, and hobbies. Cal Newport, best-selling author of Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World, states that three to four hours of continuous, undisturbed deep work each day is all it takes to see a transformational change in our productivity and our lives. We have seen proof of this with parents during the COVID pandemic. People used to spend eight plus hours a day at work. Now, many parents are home trying to work, caring for children, acting as teachers, and trying to help their kids do online school. There are no longer eight hours available to do work each day. But you know what's happened? These people are getting more done in less time. They're getting up early to get three hours of uninterrupted work in before the kids wake up. They're being more productive because they're not spending four hours a day commuting to and from work, another couple hours a day in meetings, and constantly getting email and Slack messages. Though the lines may be blurred in the current situation, there is more balance between work and life for a lot of people right now. Outside of work, we need to create lives that are not built on the idea of busy. Just because you're not working does not mean that you need to fill the open time with more things on the to-do list. We need to embrace rest and celebrate rest because rest is productive despite what we've been taught. 
I encourage you to look at your schedule, at your life, your work, and look for ways to create more balance. As we wrap this episode up, I encourage you to think about the ways that you could create a more balanced life. Things that we thought were impossible a year ago have now been proven possible because we were forced to consider alternatives. This past nine months has shown us that despite what we've been told, corporations and systems can change quickly when circumstances demand it. With that, I leave you with an action item. If your day could look exactly how you want it to look, what would it look like? Take a minute to think about that. Maybe even get out a piece of paper and write it down. If your day could look exactly the way you wanted it to, what would it look like? Thank you so much for listening today, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening to Things That Keep Us Up at Night. If you like this episode, please visit us at thingsthatkeepusupatnight.com or subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great day.